Hello, and welcome to Art, Activism, and Adventure. I'm Michaela Demers, and today I'm speaking with Erica Orofino. Erica is a writer and director, originally from Montreal, graduated from York University's screenwriting program in 2015, and is currently working as a producer in advertising. Erica is also the co-creator and creative director of Paper Frame, a Toronto-based production company focused on narrative content and independent music videos for local Canadian artists, and is currently in pre-production on a short film that she has both written and will direct called Phantom. Phantom, the short, is based off of a feature film of the same name and landed Erica and her team in the top 15 in Canada in the Cinecoop program last year. Okay, so I looked up Cinecoop because I had no idea what it was. And let me get, let me see if I got it right. Okay. So I think what it is is that it's a, essentially like, I don't know if it's a competition or not, but it's essentially a competition that independent filmmakers make a film based on audience feedback is that like the prime um, it's like kind of like that basically you it's a genre competition so anything but drama can qualify like okay. comedy horror thriller suspense uh, even rom-com like romantic comedy counts <laughs> yeah and there was <laughs> there a were genre. a couple yeah That's cute <laughs> and uh basically you you have to you write a feature screenplay and you produce a concept video like a trailer for the film right under the impression that, like, this is the film that you want to produce, but you just, you need the funds, and usually, like, movies cost upwards of 500000 to, like, $3 million, so <laughs> this thing was gonna offer you, like, this, the prize, the grand prize is $1 million to make your feature, so at first it would, it would, it was kind of like, um, anyone can apply within Canada, you have to be Canadian to right. do it, and then they would choose 160 or 120 projects to go through to the next round after that it was all like by audience participation okay. so voting, like voting yeah basically voting and uh and like the ratings that you would get so you don't even have to vote necessarily but like you would get like out of five stars this okay. video or whatever so and it went from like 120 to 60 to 30 to 15 five and then they would choose the winner the one okay yeah. and so you guys made it to the top 15 to so the 15 yeah that's cool that's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool and so, but ultimately, in the end, did you only you only ended up making the trailer because that's all you have to make before yeah, you get we, the money. We actually made we made the trailer, but also one of the the videos that you would require to make along the way. I think it was like to get into the top thirty. Oh, okay. We okay. had to make another video that was like a scene from the movie, like a short scene. So we also had like a really quick like one minute scene from the film right. shot. Yeah. And so is the is that going to be included in the short then? No, funny enough, this short actually is, uh, it's derived from a different subplot within the feature. Okay. Has nothing to do with, like, the scene that we filmed. Right. Has a bit to do with the trailer that we filmed, but it's more focused on the mother of the family as opposed to the father and the daughter, which is what the feature, okay. what, how we're marketing the feature, kind of. Right. And I actually know that we're totally <laughs> sitting in Erica's apartment, which is, like, the coziest... <laughs> The coziest spot ever. And there's a couple of posters on the wall. Yeah. So that's for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, I took them home because they both have tears in them. So uh, I was like, I can steal these. And is but, it horror then? Yeah, it's a primarily, it's a horror film and there is some, like, suspense. I would just call it a straight horror film, but right. I think that others, it's a horror drama. Okay. It's a horror drama, yeah. Yeah. I'm totally terrible at <laughs> genreing things. That's not a word. But... Yeah, like even music people, people are like, oh, well, what genre is that band? And I'm like, I don't know. And then <laughs> now, yeah, and now yeah. I, 
a lot of artists are giving themselves titles, you know, like, they'll yeah. be like, we're fairy pop, and I'm like, I don't think fairy <laughs> pop is a real thing, but it sounds cool. Mm. And so, I guess full disclosure that Erica and I have uh, worked together before yeah. on a music video with Paper Frame, and I know that you guys are working on something this spring. What are you working on? Yeah, so... Actually, we're we're always kind of doing like five things at once. Um, we are we have some. I don't even know if I can say this yet, but like we have like <laughs> we, we might be going abroad to shoot a documentary abroad, a very short one. We're not totally sure if that's happening yet, but it's supposed to be. We're also um, we're also gonna be shooting a spec, which is kind of like we're gonna be shooting an advertisement. For the the con young lions which okay. is like the young lions a lion is like an award that you that like advertising um it's like an advertising award it's like one of the most prestigious awards kind of thing and uh we're gonna be doing this like competition that's for under 30 year olds um and because i'm employed by an ad agency i'm qualified to enroll ah. so we're taking a taking we are going to be teaming up with a creative team okay. at the agency that i work at and we're going to be coming up, like, a 48-hour film festival type thing. Like, they'll give you a brief, then we have 48 hours to produce the ad, and then we'll see what happens. Like, the winner so gets this, to go yeah, to it's a competition. Yeah, it is And is it, it's based in Toronto? Yeah, this one's in Toronto. That's or I think cool. it's... I don't even know if it's based in Toronto. It might be Canada-wide. I'm not sure. Oh, and then it's just hosted out of different cities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's not the... Sorry, that, that's one of the things. <laughs> and then the major thing, the major thing that we're doing... Is uh is we're gonna be producing the short film, the short version of Phantom the feature. We're gonna okay. be shooting it in April. So right now we're kind of like kind of crewing up, kind of like in light pre production, but it's gonna start like really intensely in a couple of weeks. Right. So yeah. And are you working with the same crew that I'm familiar with? Yes. It's the same group yeah, of dudes. Yeah. Same group. <laughs> good guys. Those are all really good guys. They are. Okay, cool. So the reason really that I wanted to talk to you today was that not only because you're involved in film but also because after we worked together we became Facebook friends <laughs> that was really deep and uh <laughs> I noticed that there was a lot of stuff that you were saying on your wall I guess yeah about gender equality and feminism mm -hmm. and it was like a huge range from you just like you know expressing your opinion and writing and then like videos of you on tv and like especially when I saw the videos on tv <laughs> I was like whoa, like, how did I not know this? And obviously, you know, when we're working together, we're working. We didn't really get yeah. a chance to know all the ins and outs of one another. But um, it was interesting to know that you were, like, an advocate, I'm going to say. Yeah, that's, that word that's a good word, advocate. Cool. Yeah, so, I like, I, that's the reason why I kind of wanted to bring you in and just to get your thoughts on feminism in general because it's such a key term right now and pop culture and mm -hmm. media I think everywhere really it's it's coming to the forefront so sure. something that I was thinking about when I think about um advocates for causes or just for different issues social issues especially is like how do, how do people become advocates like I think it's very linear if you grow up and you have a concern about something and then you go study it in school and then you're an advocate and you almost mm -hmm. feel like I have a right to speak about this or I feel comfortable speaking about this because I just studied it for four years, you know, like if you did like women's studies or if you did yeah. something around that nature, but you didn't, you studied film. Yeah. And so, which is totally okay. You know, you're a woman, so like you can do whatever you want. But yeah. uh, I just wanted to ask you about like what, 
were then maybe the experiences or how did you come to this place where you felt like you you wanted to advocate for gender equality yeah that's actually a really good question because I think about it a lot because I recognize that I was not always this passionate about it and I feel that I feel like if you're a woman, you're inherently a feminist whether or not you admit that you are. <laughs> However, it's coming to terms with like how important it really is, not mm -hmm. just for you, but for everybody, how important that is. And um, I didn't learn about it in school. I didn't really read about it like throughout my university years. Um, However, I feel like for some reason it was when I was in university that I started to, I guess, let it into my life more, if that makes sense. Uh, I have early memories, like very early memories, either like as a kid in elementary school or um, in high school as a teenager or preteen of comments that people, like that men or boys would make. Uh, it's funny that those things actually stick with me, but mm -hmm. I remember almost word for word some things that yeah. were said that like really affected me as a kid. Absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. I feel that. And I I was thinking about that too the other day and I was actually talking to my mom about it because my mom and I know her mom were both like these active feminists. Cool. But um, the same thing, like they did these, in my world, what I think are really radical things that I can tell you about, but they said that they just came to them through living. That you know? makes so much sense. I was though. just like, they were just yeah. living day to day and then something came up and then they had to face it and it was like, well, like, I'm yeah. just doing this because this is the easiest thing or this is what I want to do. It's not because I'm trying to make a front necessarily yeah. or like cause a ruckus. I'm just trying to like, this is just part of life. I'm just living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense to me. Like for instance, uh, one of the ones that I remember really clearly is uh, when I was in high school, I was, I, I always have had a lot of male friends. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that way. Um, I don't know why. But I also have a lot of female friends. But when I was growing up in, in Montreal, I had a lot of male friends. Right. And we were all, like, joking around at one point, And then somebody... We were talking about music. And then somebody... I must have been, like, 16. A dude said, Oh, but, like, women don't really know how to play guitar. <laughs> like, a very general <laughs> statement like that. And I, and I was actually genuinely confused. Like, in that tone, like... Yeah, like, matter of fact. Like, oh, but women don't really know how to play guitar, though. And, I, and nobody said anything. Like, people laughed, but no one, you know, like, no one actually addressed, like, challenged that view. But I did say, like, what do you mean? Like, why, how can you say that? And then, and he said, but because if they did, like, if women were able to play guitar as well as men did, then why are there not as many female musicians as there mm. are male musicians? And I thought, like, and I didn't have an answer to that. I was like... I don't know, but yeah. it can't be that they're not as good. That doesn't make any sense. There's no evidence. Like, no, I just refuse to acknowledge. I refuse to to allow you to like have that belief, and then all of us to just sit here and like laugh about that. Like, that's just not true. So I think that like got a ball rolling for me in my mind. Like, why? Like, why are there like no women? You know, in movies. Like, why are there no lead females in in, tele in television? Why are there not as many female musicians? Why are there not as many female comedians? Why, why, why? And yeah. I started to think, and then, you know, if you start delving into that, it's like a rabbit hole. Once you start reading about those <laughs> things, you can't stop. And no. you realize, like, your my mind was blown. I was like, holy shit, like, this is why. Yeah. It's because of, like, I don't even know how to start that discussion, but it's because of, like, the moment that you're born as a woman, 
you know, you're, you're, you're put into this gender binary. It's like, you're a boy, blue blanket, you're a girl, pink blanket. And then from then on, everything is gendered. Your whole life is basically molded around what gender you are. Mm -hmm. And from there, it just like, there is like a set path for you. And if you don't fit that set path, you know, like that's not womanhood or like, yeah, you're not a girl. You're definitely judged in different ways. I mean, whether it's like on your physical appearance or just like the things you like to do, you're definitely judged if you don't just like follow what's kind of expected by your gender norm for sure. Yeah. So you have those initial memories as a child. Other things that like sparked now, like right now when you were yeah. doing more for sure advocacy. So I think that there's like a couple, um, so putting aside like even earlier childhood memories of like being treated differently. Cause I think that a lot of girls can relate to like, um, it's hard to explain actually. For example, it's a really clear cut one. Uh, in elementary school, I wore once a shirt, like a long sleeve shirt that cut off at my shoulder. So you could see the tops of my shoulders, mm -hmm. but everything else was covered. And I was sent to the principal's office and they put like a huge sweater over me. So as a punishment, as like a shame, a way of shaming me for showing my shoulders in school, I was 14, you know, like barely had boobs when I was 14. Wow. And it was like a, oh, this girl was like wearing something slutty. Look at her walk around now with this like giant sweater down to her freaking knees, you know? And, but like none of the boys, you know, with their like pants down past their like boxers yeah. would ever have to like go home and change their pants. So things like that, just like that molding as a kid, it's always inside of you. Like you always, you'll, I'll never forget that. And I won't forget like some of the ways that I have felt even without knowing that it was because of my gender. When I was a kid, I never thought about that ever. I just thought this is the way it is. Like, yeah, I'm a girl. Okay. So I shouldn't be showing my shoulders. I shouldn't be wearing tight pants. Like it's just a thing, you know, mm -hmm. it's not a thing you question when you're a kid. But all of that stays with you, and then when you become, when you get older, and when you become more aware of, like, your surroundings, and how people behave, and how people interact with you, how they interact with others, then you're able to sort of form your own hypotheses about this, and then once you realize that other people feel the same way as you, it's empowering, yeah. and it makes you feel so much less isolated, and that it becomes, like, a real thing, instead of just, like, something that you think might be. It's like, oh, you are validating my experiences because you've had the same experiences as me. And there are so, like, I would say every woman has, but there are so well, many that's the thing I was going to say it. is, like, the women that detest feminism or that mm -hmm. don't associate with feminism, like, I, like, I can just imagine that maybe they just haven't had those experiences. Like, either they haven't had them or they just don't acknowledge them in the same way. Yeah. And they're just, like, okay with it. Like, I just don't understand how, how they could, how you could come to that conclusion in any other way. Yeah. I know what you mean. I think, I mean, I think there, there are different, there are, I think there are different reasons for why, like, a woman can be against feminism. But in my mind, like, because when I was in, when I was in high school, I kind of had a similar attitude towards it. I'm pretty sure I even at one point said to myself or to my friends, like, I don't believe in feminism because I want to be one of the guys. Like, mm -hmm. I want to be like, she's cool, you know, like, she doesn't need feminism. She's above that. Like, she's like, I still have all my rights and I'm still an independent woman and I'll like tell you off if you get on my bad side, but I don't need feminism right. because I'm above it. Totally. So I feel like there's that you know, to it, yeah. and then there's the ones who feel like they don't care about gender norms. Right. I but feel like I feel that's like, less... Like, the first version 
I think I also went through that as well, for sure. Like, hands down. And I think that's very common for young girls growing up. Yeah, I agree. But, like, for adults, I don't understand. But yeah. I remember this for me as well, because I remember being in the car with my mom. And I think this was kind of, like, at the very beginning, like, when I was, like, 14. Mm. At the very beginning of kind of when it started to come into mainstream media, because I think it has been, like, working its way in for the past 10 years mm-hmm. really slowly. And she asked me, she's... I remember it just being kind of out of the blue, and I was really shocked. And she asked me, you know, like, would you identify as a feminist? And I remember thinking about it and thinking that, like, the right answer is yes, yeah. you know? But I I honestly had never thought of myself that way before. And, I mean, I was, like, pretty belligerent about, like, you know, equality. And just, mm-hmm. you know, like, I would haul wood when my brothers hauled wood. Like, I wanted to play the sports with the boys, like, all the time. Like, I wasn't okay with just sitting on the sidelines. Everyone mm. knew it. I, it wasn't a secret. And so, I, I think I said something to the extent of, like, oh, like, I, I definitely have the feminist values in my life, but, like, I've never identified as a feminist. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I mm-hmm. would. And she talked to me then about, um, like, the generations of women that did this work. Yeah. So that we could have what we have today. Yeah. And, like, it sounds super epic when I say it like that. But no, it, but it makes... It yeah, is. it's totally and, valid. Yeah, and, like, you know, like, the women who, you know, like, cut their hair short and the women who, like, wore pants for the first time and who, like, challenged, like, body hair issues, just, like, basic things that, you know, and working, like, mm-hmm. you know, that discussion of, like, even abortion or, like, um, working versus being a mother or both or whatever, like, all of these things that we now just take it for granted. And after she, like, after she kind of explained that to me, that, you know, if you don't identify as a feminist or if you don't honor that movement, then you're just discrediting what all of these women have done for you and that you take for granted now. And I, I just sat there for the rest of the car ride and I took it in. I was like, holy crap. That's so smart of your, like, my parents, they are feminists and they identify as feminists, but I've never had a talk with, like, they've never, like, sat me down and been like, this is what this is. Like, this is what feminism is. Or they never asked me, like, that's really cool that your mom talked to you about it. Yeah, shout out. My mom, Julie Balin, is uh, actually an English teacher on an Aboriginal reserve on Manitoulin Island. Wow. Yeah, so she's got social justice issues, like, throughout her life. And so feminism was something that I think kind of, like, is is just natural, you know? Like, all of these social justice issues are, like, really big and it's kind of what guides her teaching. Oh, that's so so cool. And maybe that's why she also wanted to talk about it, just because she's an educator, and so it was, like, Mm. we need to, we need to, like, talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, and, like, you know, she she always did that, too. She always, like, valid, like, Ask me my opinion as if it was valid when I was 14. That's cool. Which makes you feel like, I'm <laughs> an a adult. Spoiler. Yeah. So smart at 14 years old. But yeah. Yeah, like having those conversations really helps. And so like these women who just make it through into adulthood then without kind of that respect for just like what they have and like the privileges they have every day. Like, I, mm-hmm. like they just must not have had those conversations and also just not any like negative experiences. Because I feel like if you even have like one or two kind of major not even major like these small little experiences like they stick with you yeah and you don't you don't forget them yeah i i feel like it's impossible that they were like the lucky ones right i don't think that's possible i feel like they must have i guess they're just i don't know honestly i I think that they justify it in a different way and i think on even on top of that on top of like calling yourself a feminist or identifying as a feminist be in order to honor or yeah, like, to to honor, like, what women have done before you, it's also, like, 
they started something, but it's not done, yeah. you know? Yeah, It's It's obviously, like, we've come a long way, mm. and that's amazing, but we're still not really there. I don't feel like we are. I know a lot of women don't feel like we are. Yeah. And so why change the word, you know, when it's a conversation that's already been started? Yeah. It would kind of be, like... No, like yeah. don't take. Let's like, just that's keep gonna, building on something. Keep, exactly, it's like keep we're building almost there. On it. Like we're we're on our way. Let's just like keep that train going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but then so the stuff that I was seeing on Facebook, I want to know more about right. that. Like what? That's what I was getting at. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got derailed. No, by it's all, my I started brain. talking too. So. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, putting all those little experiences aside that kind of stuck with me forever, I think they started to come more to the surface when I started film school, and. I guess it, film school for me was like the first time that I simultaneously met my people, like I met people who cared about the same things I cared about, I got along with them well, we worked together, we still work together, I'm in a company with like five of them right now, um, so I met my people, but I also met people who I feel like are those people that you talk about, <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to sound like mean right now, but they're the people in the, in the film industry, or who are going to grow up and be part of the film industry, part of the problem. Yeah. Like, people with big egos. Isn't that scary when you can see it before it happened, and you're yeah. like, no! Like, I knew this guy, and there's nothing I can do to stop him. <laughs> I know. But, yeah, like, there's just little alarm bells that go off, like, when you see the way that, like, I'll say, like, a man, the way he interacts with his bros, and then the way he talks to his female classmates, and it's just so different. And whether it's, like, he's trying to, like, pursue this woman, or he's just trying to, like, I did a project in first year with a person, I won't say his name, but, um, basically mansplained the entire project to me. <laughs> I knew how to hold the camera, I knew how to, how to load the camera. Mans. Yes, it was, like, he took the camera out of my hands and, like, started filming for me. I'm, like, dude, I, like, let Got me it. do this. Yeah. I'm in first year, so are you. Like, we're here to learn. Let me, like, do this. And, um, but the entire time, it was like he was, like, antsy every time I had the camera because, like, he thought I wasn't going to do a good job or that I wasn't as creative with my vision as he was. And if that weren't annoying enough, I then found out later that he had told a bunch of my classmates that he didn't want to work with me again because I just wasn't an artist. I just wasn't very creative. And I thought, like, wow, the ball's on you to say that, like, about someone you just have met. just met, also didn't even let me do the freaking work, you yeah. know? Um, anyway, that was, like, a very early little rude awakening of, like, okay, there's gonna be people like this, like, dudes like this in school who are just not gonna see me as an, as an equivalent, right? you know? And to um, play devil's advocate here, just to, yeah, like, yeah. to try to have some transparency... Did you experience that kind of stuff with, fe like, females in your... Do you, nope. Are there lots of other females in your program? Yeah, so, like, no, there are not as many women in the film program. I think that as, actually, at York, as the years went on, they kind of balanced it out a bit. Like, in the younger years, there are, I would say, kind of more equal, like, men and women. Like, they're accepting, like, equal, more yeah. equal applications. Yeah, and, uh, but in my year, I would say it was, like, I don't know, maybe, like, 70% men. Okay. Um, especially by the end, because then they start kind of, like, weeding out, you know? Yeah, and then you... there would be, like, even less women. And, right. Like, um, but I guess, like, yeah, that is, like, one, one instance where I had a bad experience with a male colleague or a male peer, but the only reason I'm bringing it up is because 
it's like a part of a bigger picture. Totally. You know? Yeah. And that being said, like, I know the, your team and the men on them, and so you have all those also positive experiences. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, definitely. Like I said, like, the people that I... My, my production company is five dudes and me. Right. And probably it's just five dudes and me because I met more men than women in the program. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the people that I'm working with are wonderful humans, and they're so, like, I... I have never had, like, an experience with those people where I felt like I was looked at as an inferior or I wasn't as capable or my voice was, like, a little, you know, yeah. wasn't heard. I'll give you another example of um, a different individual that I worked with. Um, but I, I, I co-wrote a script um, in my last year. If this person hears this, he's going to be like, oh, I know she's talking about me, but I don't care. Because, uh, whatever, he said this, so. Everyone's going to hear this podcast, everybody. Everybody? So be ready. All right. So we were in a meeting, and um, so John Elliott, he was the director of the film, and he cool. co-wrote the script with me, and we wrote it as a bunch of men, like, in the script. They were a bunch of boys uh, living on a native reservation, and then something happened. It was like a horror film, like, somebody gets attacked by, like, this creature. Anyway, um, the, uh, the casting process kind of changed the direction of the script because John liked the auditions from the women that he was casting or that he was auditioning more than the men. Right. So we ended up casting two women instead of two men for the two leads. Right. When we were in this meeting with the cinematographer, um... And John told everyone, like, okay, we're going to change it a little bit. It's just gender swapping. Like, it's going to be two women instead of two men. And he made this audible sound of, like, ugh, when he said that. And I was like, excuse you. And he, and then he was like, wait a minute. Are they all going to be women? Like, as if, like, oh, please don't tell me they're all going to be women. And John's like, no, 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 it's, it's just the two leads. And he's like, oh, thank God. And I wanted to say something, but, like, I did, I guess, like, even one year ago, I wasn't as vocal about these things as I am now. I totally would have said something now, like, 25-year-old me would it's have been on It's also hard, that. though, because, like, in a way, too, sometimes you're like, you know, this person's ignorant, and, yeah. like, it's just so much energy on every, like, every yeah, little yeah, thing yeah, that they exactly. say, and be like, hey, shut up. Like, Seriously, you have to, like, <laughs> pick like, your battles. like, a spray bottle, like a cat, <laughs> and just be like, you know? Shut up. Because it's, it's just like, no one's actually going to listen to you. We're going to continue on with our plans. Yeah, You yeah. don't be ignorant in your corner. We're just going to continue. Yeah, so, like, don't beat sure. yourself up, like, too much about, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. But it's just, like, How little... did the project continue? Like, it was all good? It or? was all fine. Yeah. But, I, you know, who knows? If it had been all women, what would have happened? Like, the universe <laughs> would have exploded. But, according to this guy. But, no, it was fine. Like, everybody in the room ignored his comment and... I think there was just myself and one other woman. Everyone else, they were all men. Not that that really matters. I still feel like, you know, anyone can say something. You yeah. don't have to be a girl to say something about that. Because it was, like, pretty, you know... Like, just blatant... It was a crappy like thing to say. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the film went on. It was great. It's been in a couple of festivals. The leads were awesome. Um, but, yeah, the, they're just people like that that you meet in school that, you know, sometimes they're not even... They don't even really try to hide the, you know, that part of them. It's kind of, I guess, something that they have grown up with, and yeah. that's, this is their view. Um, and in the yeah. same way that, like, when you grew up, you met people who reflected your opinions. Yeah. I mean, those people probably have those same experiences where they 
you know, are blatantly, like, sexist, and then they meet other people who reflect their same beliefs, and yeah. then it's like, oh, this is okay, like, this is, yeah, like, yeah, a shared sure. opinion. It's like, nobody really like, challenges those views, so you just keep, go on thinking that it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, through film school, I, I, I was exposed to, like, both sides. I was exposed to people who cared deeply about these issues, and who I was able to relate to on many levels, and then people that I saw as, like, this is the problem with the arts or with the film industry. This is these are the people that you know yeah. are going to look at us in this way, are not going to take us as seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so as that was, you know, um, I guess marinating with me, and I was reflecting on that and asking myself questions and reading about it uh, last year. I don't even remember how. Actually, I do remember how it came up. Um, I'm from Montreal, like. Um, Michaela said, and uh, I have a friend in Montreal who is a model and an actress, and she, um, she, I guess, auditioned or sent in her resume to be like a hostess somewhere. Okay. Just, I guess, to make an extra couple bucks, and, uh, and then she got a response, um, basically with like the whereabouts and uh, of this, because it was like a secret location, didn't know what it was, just knew it was like for a hostess gig. Right. And then she Which found is, out... it's more common than you think. Like, I definitely, like, yeah. go on, like, whatever websites for... It was, like, like a different jobs. Yeah, Kijiji. And they're just, yeah. like, they don't even give you the address. They're just, like, looking for a waitress, hostess, send yeah. your resume. And so you exactly. just do... Yeah. So she did that. And then she got, like, the address, and she got the uh, name of the event, and she realized that it was the... It was a, an event that was meant for a group of men's rights activists um, from the States... Or, 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 like, okay, so, like, a leader from the States would, would be coming into Toronto and hosting this convention in Toronto and in Montreal for men's rights activists, and the person in question, or the, or the leader, is, his name is Roosh V, and, uh, and she did a little research because she thought, oh, like, already the, the thought of being, like, hosting a men's rights activist conference wasn't, didn't sit well with her, obviously, so she was like, oh, I don't think so. But then she looked into it and realized that this person was kind of, you know, a newsworthy name. And he had already been kicked out of the different cities in Australia. And um, she did a little research and found that this person has his own website and uh, published articles about how he thinks that rape should be legal on private property. So that was like, you know, that's like the big one. Yeah. But then on top of that, he has... Like, he has confessed to doing some really awful things in, like, Poland, Polish women. He has, he's a pickup, he's a self-proclaimed pickup artist, but he's obviously a threat to humanity. Like, he is just not, he's not, like, a harmless pickup artist. He's a harmful pickup artist, and he's violent, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, his, his, his ideas are violent, and yeah. he has zero, zero respect for women. Um, and this is all in line for everyone to see. Like, he's this, not hiding it. He's nope. expressing yeah. everything very clearly. Yeah, it's all out there. You can, like, look him up. You know, you can read. Uh, he has books, like, many books published about how to pick up women in different countries. Who publishes that? I, honestly, Amazon sells them. And I don't know. I don't know who publishes it, but Amazon... I've actually been recently hearing a lot of thing about, a lot of different things about publishing companies and how mm-hmm. the heads of them are also male. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I don't know. Like, maybe... Because he kind of, he really tries to, I don't know if he tries, but in his literature, I think, like, in his books, he kind of tries to disguise himself as, 
a pickup artist for the everyman. Like, you can learn how to, like, get a girl in bed with these tricks or whatever. So it could almost be taken as, like, a satire? Like, yeah. A joke, I don't know if it would be... No, I don't think he ever... Okay, well, he, he now is claiming that his rape article is satire, but he's gone on record, like, on camera and in writing saying that it's not a satire, so... This is just his, like, little defense right now. Right. Because he's getting in, like, trouble finally over this article. But, no, his books are supposed to just be, like, you know... Educational. Educational, <laughs> yeah. Just, like, this is how you navigate modern women in the Western world or whatever. It's tough. But, man, like, some some people um, found excerpts in those books of some really disgusting things. Like, he wrote at one point that... You should never take no for an answer. If a woman is drunk, it's, like, the best time. And, like, basically how to... It's not just how to pick up women. It's how to take advantage of right. vulnerable or drunk or women, women who don't understand English. That's why he always goes to, right. like, you know, uh, Europe or Asia. It's because he knows that no one's going to know what the hell he's saying yeah. or who he is or, you know. Yeah, yeah. So And so this is the stuff I was seeing online. Yeah, that definitely that's the what you're seeing. Because when she mentioned that what happened is it caused a stir in Montreal, because Montreal has a lot of, like, activists, you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of artists there as well who care a lot about this stuff, and they were like, there's no way I'm letting this douchebag come yeah. to my city and host an event, like, ha- like pay, or, like, a building will let this guy come in, and then people will pay to come in and listen to this guy talk about this crap. Like, it's awful. And there's going to be women that are going to be serving them drinks. Yeah, and and a woman hostess, you know, (laughs) and, like, yeah, so that started in Montreal, and then it spread to Toronto because, you know, a lot of people from Toronto are originally from Montreal or vice versa. We have friends in the different cities, so it kind of spread here. And I noticed that it was taking a while for, like, something to be planned in Toronto and I was getting antsy about it because I knew people were talking about it in Toronto people were like concerned about it but nobody was actually like doing anything about it and so myself and another girl uh her name is Haley we started an event we started like it it started out as a protest but it kind of grew to be something better than that I think um so we started to get people together, and we, we organized, like, a, a committee. So then we had five people then planning this event. Um, and then not only did we plan the event, but we also, um, with this woman named Sarah from uh, Vancouver, or BC, rather, Victoria, she uh, came down to Toronto for the event, and she started a petition that got over 50,000 signatures to get him banned from the country. Wow. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, the 50,000 signatures did not work, but um, it caused a lot of... It, it gave us a lot of media attention, which I thought was good, and it got a lot of people talking about it, which, again, I think is good. So... Did he end up doing his... That's the thing. In Montreal, his thing got cancelled. They successfully, like, nixed it. In Toronto, he was able to still do it. I'm not really sure why. I don't know if it's because of, like, police cooperation in Toronto or maybe there just weren't as many people advocating for it in Toronto. I'm not sure. Um, but we did we did try to find out where it was, but he kept it really, like, on the down mm-hmm. low. Um, we did have police investigating. We actually had politicians investigating. Um Sherry DeNovo came to our rally, and she, like, spoke out about it. It was really inspirational, and, um, we had a pretty good turnout. Like, we had an event. We didn't want to call it a protest anymore. We decided that we wanted it to be, 
a peaceful gathering, which is kind of what it was, but it was a really like open space for people to talk about their experiences and to show their support. Like everyone was welcome, men and women, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and to just show your support and talk about what consent means and like what is good consent and just to have your feelings validated and, and it was nice. Like there were over two hundred people who came. Um, and we had police support, we had political support, we had media support, there were tons of media there. Um, I was interviewed three times, I don't know where the other two are, I haven't seen them, but I was like, <laughs> one of them was the French, world. yeah, they're out there somewhere, but I was also on CTV, that was really great, I got to talk about it for a couple minutes. And in a way, there was definitely some success, like, well, I mean, all that success, but there was yeah. some success in derailing his event, because, I mean, if he had to keep it that much on the low... I mean, he couldn't advertise, like, mm-hmm. if he was attempting to, well, I mean, there might be some other type of backdoor internet networks yeah. that he could have gone to, but if he's trying to recruit people for something like this, I mean, you guys definitely probably stagnated some progression that he yeah. could have made. I, I think so. Like, yeah, he definitely wasn't able to just come out in the open and, like, be like, hey, I'm hosting my These thing. Are my opinions. Yeah, he, uh. like, had to kind of stay in the depths of the internet. But the scary thing, I think, that happened throughout all that, and the reason why I wasn't using my last name for a couple of months, is because this person started to target the women that were organizing the events or that were speaking out about it on the news. So women who were brave enough to go out and, like, give their full names and talk about it. He actually would find out their addresses, find out their phone numbers, find out their who their family members were, where they lived where they worked, um, he would scour the internet and find any material related to these people. One of the women, he found a bunch of photographs, like, she had taken consensually, they were modeling photos of her, but, um, he took these nude photos that she had taken, and he posted them all up on his website, and the slew of comments underneath by these men were like, would you bang and like all these things that they would want to do to her and it was just so degrading yeah. and disgusting um and he also published articles on the women um like really contrived articles like some of them were saying like that this one woman was a terrible mother and here's all the evidence and it was like getting sources and he would really put a lot of effort into like these articles them. yeah yeah so yeah, for a while, I was like, dude, I do not want, like, I don't want this person, not that I have anything to hide, but, like, that's a huge invasion, this, and the worst is that if I felt like I had support, like, support from, I guess, the law, you know, from the law, but there's actually no law that says that you can't do that, like, he did not get in trouble, or, you know, he did not get persecuted at all for any of the stuff that he wrote about these people, or for sharing nude pictures, or for writing, like, basically libel like he wrote a bunch of lies about these women but we tried we tried to file police reports against it we tried to get cops involved and there were so many little loopholes that he you know we just couldn't actually do anything about it right so I thought without any of that support do I want to give myself this anxiety and give him you know my name so he can find shit on me I used to model as well I've written many things that are online I have videos, like, films where I'm, you know, naked in them. I don't want this person distributing my, like, body online to all of his gross, like, men's rights activists and knowing my family. Like, no. I just didn't want any of that. Yeah, no. So, I kept my name hidden. Things with the internet like that are very hard. And 
I mean, it's common knowledge that the laws are kind of lagging behind the internet, yeah. but especially because he's American, right? Yeah. He's so American. it's like, but the internet is worldwide. It's mm-hmm. not something that has borders. So, I mean, he's writing stuff about Canadian women who can do anything about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess maybe the power should come from the American side because like that's where his residence is, but yeah. it's a really hard thing to try to wrap around and the laws are definitely always behind on that. Yeah. Okay, definitely. worst thing in the world, not really like the worst thing, but a horrible thing that I recently watched a documentary on was revenge porn and how like oh, the shit. laws are behind on that as well and just like trying to implement things that people are sharing these were once consensual pictures with an individual, but then that person sharing like those pictures with the world yeah. without consent and and just like the trauma that it invokes on people's lives in terms of like some women were losing their jobs, some women like there was a number of women that committed suicide like it's really it's really oh, tough yeah. so i mean the the internet is obviously its own conversation, but yeah, that's yeah it, it and it, it does it like, the internet itself connects with so many different issues, and I think this is how it connects to gender equality in a really big way. Yeah. And, like, abuse to a large extent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's interesting. Like, one of the one of the, uh, the problems that we were having when we were trying to get involved, because at one point there, there was a clear case for harassment mm-hmm. because he wouldn't stop calling one of the women, and he found out where she worked. He was calling his work. He, um... He, one of his, like, men, like, posted a thing online saying, like, oh, I know where her family lives. And that's really, that's not okay. Like, yeah. that, there has to be so we thought there has to be some kind of law against this. But, um, it turns out that because he was, he was then back in the States when yeah. we filed the, the, when we, when we filed the police report, that we couldn't actually do anything about yeah. it because he was gone. Right. So. Yeah. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. Um. So. Are there updates on that? Like, is it just... Yeah, so after that, it kind of died down. Like, um, he went back to wherever he's from, somewhere in the States, <laughs> and we just went on with our lives, and I kind of, like, I didn't forget about it, but I... It was, like, a really... A thing that was heavy on my mind for a while, like, while it was happening. I just felt... I don't know. I felt a little bit, like, unsafe. I kind of felt like my faith was shattered a bit because you were just constantly... I was constantly reading all of these horrible, horrible things that these people were saying and what they were thinking. And I just thought, like, man, is this what, like, the rest of the world looks like? But no, it's just, like, this dirty little crevice of the internet where these people exist. But, you know, it started, like, weighing on me, and I started to feel kind of, like, down and, ugh, like, gross. Um, So when it was over, I kind of just put it away and stopped thinking about it, went on with school because I was, like, just... Was I still in school? I think I was. Yeah. Or I was I like. Think so too. Yeah, totally. Oh, I was so I was in school. Yeah, so like I finished my degree, um, you know, traveled a bit, started this job, and now I'm finding out that he's resurfacing for some reason. He's coming back. He wants to come back to Canada. He wants to like, ha- like host more events around the world. But I've noticed that this time around, there's even more coverage on the topic. And there are even more people who are speaking out against it, which is really awesome. Yeah. I haven't even done anything about it. Like, I haven't even, like, posted anything about it. And, um, but other people have. People I don't know. There are already events being planned by people I don't know. Um, different news outlets are covering it. Like, bigger ones are covering it than they did last year. We had to fight last year even to get, like, one article about it. And I had a friend at the Star at the time, and she wrote about it. 
Um, but only after we planned the, only after we had the rally were media involved. Yeah. But, um, this time it's kind of like a well-oiled machine. It's like, okay, we recognize this person. We know what he's about. And he now is like, he's, he was like making threats saying like, if anyone, like any woman wants to get in my way, like we'll take care of that kind of thing. Like we'll take them aside later and take care of it. It's like just, it's kind of just ridiculous. And I think now people are starting to feel that by allowing the person, this person to come in here, like to come to our city or to our country and allowing him a space and a voice, it's kind of showing everybody else that we live with, like everybody else that's a Canadian or, or living in Canada, that we don't think that it's wrong, that yeah. we think yeah. it's okay. So yeah. I think that's what's getting to everyone. Yeah, you definitely kind of scream that it aligns with Canadian values if you allow it to happen. And, mm -hmm. I mean, on a personal or on a more independent note, I can't understand how any business would choose to allow it. Like, if you are, have a restaurant or a venue, I mean, you do get to control who books your space. Yeah. Like, if someone like that came up and wanted to book your space... I just don't understand why you would say yes in the first place. Like, on an individual basis, on a, mm -hmm. on a business basis. Probably because they don't know who he is. And if you say, like, you're a pickup artist, it sounds harmless enough. If yeah. You, if or if you're just saying, oh, I'm having a, a an activist. club. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, whatever. Like, some kind of activist thing. Meeting. I think they just don't know. And so they just book it. And plus it's money for them. You know? They get, yeah, like, some kind of so. cut from the sales. Or I don't know. But, yeah. That's too much for me. I can't handle that. Um, all right. And so you haven't done anything in mm -hmm. there thus far, but things are happening and hopefully you just like... Yeah, hopefully I don't have to, not have to, because I, I don't know, it was bittersweet. I enjoyed it in so much as I felt like I was making a difference in some small way, but like I said, mm -hmm. it took a toll on me. It was very time consuming. It was emotionally draining and... Yeah, I, like, didn't sleep and well unsafe. for you those. And kind of unsafe, And I too. also felt unsafe. Yeah. I was always checking my email. I was always checking, like, if I got an unknown number, I didn't want to answer it. I, like, thought this, like, awful person was going to, like, find me or my family. Yeah. Well, the and, fact that there are other people who are trying to champion the cause, even before it's, like, really kind of yeah. got the ball rolling, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a really good thing. Yeah. So, I guess we'll have to just keep following up with that and make sure that it's all right. Yeah. In, yeah. uh, so then, well, that was, like, a, obviously a huge event <laughs> that you yeah. were just trying to, like, move past. So, I guess, in your regular life, you've kind of gone back or, like, continued on your life the way that you were before in living and coming up to different feminist gender equality issues mm -hmm. as you see them. And now you're at a school, so, you know, you're out of maybe the range of some of those annoying classmates that are yeah. ridiculous. But you're working in advertising, you're producing things with other artists, are yeah. there people that you meet in, like, the professional world mm -hmm. that you've experienced kind of gender inequality? Or just seen, not you maybe personally, but mm -hmm. seen examples of it? So, yeah, like, that's a good question. I feel in some ways that school was, like, a little cocoon where, like, you know, you meet really great people and then you kind of stick with those people. Mm -hmm. So it starts to feel like your whole world is just dandy. Like, there's no bad things ever because you're just like... I don't know if you felt that way. <laughs> no, I don't. No. <laughs> I am laughing because... Um, yeah, so yeah, I just hang out with a lot of artists, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean... And they're wonderful. They're so... Artists, I just think it's... I mean, you got flakes out there for sure. Like, hands down, it's a that's a thing. But um, 
a lot of artists are really open to like learning and they they live alternative lifestyles and mm. they believe in a whole range of things but I think they're really like accept yeah, accepting yeah. of one another yep. and then every once in a while I'll meet like a friend of a friend and it's just like a douchebag <laughs> yeah, just like, like a, oh this is what the I'm rest like, is man I forget you guys like. exist yeah, you yeah. know because you just hang out with this like you know exactly. this comfortable group of people who might do radical things you know like that yeah. are a little alternative to their lifestyles but at the end of the day you know, they believe in something good, their heart is in the right place, yeah. and then you, I just meet someone who's just, like, straight up, you know, and, I'm, and I forget, I forget. Yeah. So I, I yeah, exactly, I know. exactly what I'm talking about. In school, yeah, it was just that, right? Like, with, there are those little exceptions, like yeah. I was talking about, but for the most part, you're just among people that you can really relate to, that mm. you feel super comfortable around, that you, you know, at least I felt like I came into my own in university, and I was really, I felt very confident in my abilities and just in like speaking like if I have an opinion about something I didn't feel shy about saying it right if I have just something to contribute to a conversation and never second guessed my own voice I was just like yeah I feel comfortable but then you get out in the real world and not only do I notice that there are not as many people like me in the sense that um maybe oh this is hard to explain but maybe people who didn't have that same liberating experience in their younger years where, as women, they sort of felt like, um, okay, no, I'll, I'll, like, back up. When you get out in the real world, you realize that you had that experience in school or with those people you felt comfortable with, and that was great. But that there's, like, an entire world out there full of people that are so not like you. Right. And it doesn't mean it's bad. No. But I understand, like, when you're with a core group of people and you go through similar experiences, you're on mm -hmm. the same page. You've, like, kind of written this out. And even though it, some individuals in that core may have different responses, yeah. you've all gone through the same process. So you just have an easy way of communicating and you know each other's history in that way. Yeah. And I identify with that, too, when I look at the people that I went to school with. Even when we, like, I meet different people from different dance programs, it's like, yeah, we both relate because we... Yeah. Both dance, like, you, you're you working with people who also work in film, yeah. but you still don't have that same kind of perspective or, like, set of perspectives that were taught to you yeah, exactly. that you share with a different group of people. Yeah, for sure. So now, um, it's very different. Like, I, it's definitely different. Um, I'm not in school, and I was fortunate, en fortunate enough to land a job right out of school actually so. yeah freaking congratulations yeah honestly <laughs> it was very lucky i interned with this company um i work at anomaly toronto which is a really really big like up and coming not even up and coming man they've made it like they have we have seven spots in the super bowl this year which is unprecedented and That's anomaly awesome. toronto produced four of them um and uh yeah so they're huge and they're great the people that i work with are awesome um, and I landed this job, I was interning with them last summer, and that's because I was hunting for an internship, like, I wanted anything to do with media, I didn't care, like, what it was, but when I had this interview with Anomaly, I went into their office, and I was like, oh my god, like, this is so cool, it was just the, it was the, it is the coolest space, like, there, there are two different buildings now, because it's grown so much, but... 
Can I go in and just walk around? You could probably, yeah. (laughs) If you go in and, like, talk to the, like, her name is Dallas. She's the front desk. She's really awesome. She'd probably be like, yeah, just, like, walk around, take a look. It's so nice. It's just, like, a very creative and stimulating environment. Right. Um, I don't have, like, a cubicle or anything. It's just a big, big, big desk or table, wooden table, that goes from one side of the room to the other. And then everybody has their, like, chairs. Like, um, you all sit together. So Mm -hmm. it's a very like, you know, collaborative community kind of thing, and, um, but there are, like, six of those, so it's a huge space, and there is, like, two kitchens, and two bars, and a, and a foosball table, and a half pipe, and a car in the office, and, and this is where you work, I work here, yeah, it's nuts, (laughs) there are two bars in the office, it's just crazy, so, yeah, I got, I got that internship, and then I worked on a Google campaign, like, a Google World Cup campaign, I was, like, whoa, I can't believe this is my job right now. This is fun. <laughs> and then um, when I was in Australia, I was going from Sydney to Cairns, and I got an email from somebody I had worked with earlier, and they were like, come in for an interview because there's a position in production, and you were great last time. And I was like, okay, as soon as I'm back in Canada, I'll do it. So I did it, and then I got that job. But only now I feel like I'm realizing just how lucky I am because I know a lot, most of my friends who are out of film school are now basically struggling to find a job, pay off their loans or like stay in the city because if they can't find something that's going to pay their rent and help pay their loans, they're going to have to move back home and like just really crappy situations. And I mean, I would have been in that same position because my family's not here. So yeah, just feel really lucky and I'm doing something that I find really fun. Mm -hmm. Like I'm I don't think that I would be able to do, I don't think I'd be able to do anything else in advertising other than production because it's very, like, very hands-on, like, making things all the time, very communicative, like, you're always talking to people and you're, like, managing schedules and you're going on shoots and, and, you know, putting all the little pieces together to make something work. Yeah. And I did a bit of that in school, but aside from writing and directing, like, that's my other forte, and that's another thing that I love doing. I love building things, making things, and, like, it's so fun. So I'm really lucky that I get to do that. However, no, not even however, just as a side note, advertising, like the entertainment industry or, like, the film industry is, like, a super boys club. Yeah. And by that I mean all the, most of the creatives, there are, like, 14 creative teams, or seven creative teams, one of them is, uh, are women. Like, there's a, there are two women among everyone else, they're all dudes. All the heads are dudes, like, all the high so out of the, are dudes. out of the seven teams, how many people do you think there are in total, just, like, a... I um, generalized. Yeah, I, like it keeps growing. The agency keeps growing. We just hired another team, and they're also male. But like, uh, they hire them in teams, though. Like, do they go out? And- yeah, like they hire them in like copywriters, uh, copywriter and art director. Okay. So those are like the teams. Ah, uh, okay. So they're so, only two pe- two people per team. Yeah, only two people per team. Okay. And there are like seven or eight teams, okay. and only one of the teams are female. Is female. Okay, yeah. got it. And um, yeah, and uh, but all of like you know, the the higher-ups are all male as well, and a lot of, like, the account people who are, like, the people who work with clients are all male. Most of them are male. Uh, so it's... The, pro- the, the production department, like, my department is actually mostly female. Right. There are only three... Three? Four? Three men in it. So it's, like, a, it's a female... It's the only female-dominated uh, department in the agency that I work at. Um, but 
it, it, it does very much in, in some ways feel a bit like a boys club. And that's something that's a little bit hard to quantify. Like, it's difficult for me to, like, point out specific instances, especially since I'm relatively new there. You yeah. Know? I haven't, I have not had personally any experiences where I felt like I was demeaned or disrespected in any way. So, like... So far, and so good. So yeah. far, so great. Like, I feel yeah. awesome there. I feel super comfortable. Um, but I, I have heard uh, stories from female coworkers about experiences that they've had not necessarily at this agency but in their careers in advertising in general right um where they they like had to like one of them had to leave an agency at one point because her boss had said something so blatantly sexist to her about the way that she would behave in an in a meeting he kept saying that she was aggressive when she was like i think the word you're looking for is assertive which i think is awesome but there is there is definitely still that that perspective or attitude towards women who are doing or trying to do the same jobs that men are doing but they're looked at in a different way just because they're a girl and or they're they're female and uh yeah so like I said I haven't yet experienced that well it's good it's good but I I recognize that it is a thing yeah and um being conscious of it is good as well because I mean you'll be kind of ready in a way I mean, yeah, you'll be yeah. at least mentally prepared and maybe emotionally prepared if those situations ever arise and you mm-hmm. be able to take personal charge of them in some capacity. Yeah, definitely. There was a... Uh, this is funny, actually. There was one time, actually, where I I received a brief for a project, so me- meaning, like, um, I got an outline for a project that I would have to execute, and they gave me, like, the creative for it, and it was... Um, it was like an African American or African Canadian woman in this ad and, uh, and she was, I forget what she was doing. She was doing something. And then I got rebriefed and it was replaced with a white woman. Like Mm. that particular ad was replaced with a white woman. And I said to the person like, why did this happen? Like, why is it being, why is she being replaced with a, with a Caucasian female? What was wrong with it before? And he said that they just didn't want to receive any negative feedback. This was going to be on the internet, like like on, on Facebook and stuff, and they were anticipating racist remarks. And I was like, that doesn't mean that you, like, don't put this woman in the ad. Because people, yes, they suck. People are going to write stupid crap about anything. That's what people do. Yeah. And the solution is not to just whitewash everything. To, like, try to avoid having the conversation because it's going to be a hard conversation to have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that, like, and I fought for that so hard. We ended up finding another solution. We put, like, we put an Indian woman in instead because they didn't want to have a black woman in it. Like, it was, yeah, it was tough. But, like, I understood their perspective. Like, it was was all about money. It was Mm -hmm. just, like, we are going to lose money if blah, blah, blah. And there wasn't anything I could really do about it as a producer, but I was able to negotiate an alternative that wasn't just putting another white person in because most of the women that, or most of the people that are in these ads are all white, you know? And so I kind of started thinking, like, advertising is its own demon because it's really, like, in some ways the core of a lot of problems, Yeah, it is, for sure. It is. And you can definitely see different advertising um, in different parts of the world. I mean, I grew up in northern Ontario 
And so I never saw anything except for white people in ads on billboards, like locally in that way until I came to Toronto. And I, you know, I see, um, ads that do have people that are not white people other than white people. Yeah. And, but I think that's very specific. I think advertisers are thinking about Toronto and thinking about the diversity and then trying to appease like that group or trying to like gear their advertisement towards it. I don't know anything about advertising. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine. I did it before I started working here. Right. But yeah, and so I definitely see that as being a trend. Like they're really trying to think about like kind of who their audience is. But when you think about it, I mean, yeah, I mean, that would be an amazing advocacy group if they Mm. took on these issues within their advertising, which I think you do see every now and again. Yeah, yeah. And that advertisement will, like, blow up and be like, wow, this is so remarkable. I know. But it's like, you could literally be doing this all the time. Yeah, and then it wouldn't be remarkable. It would just be normal. And it would would be good. It would still be good, but it wouldn't be like, oh, let's give you, like, all the praise that you need because you did something that is apparently out of the norm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's totally it. Like, uh, so I do kind of like, you know, I'm able in some ways to contribute something good in that sense. Like, I feel like I do have, like, what little control I do have over what gets pushed out, mm-hmm. I'm able to try to, you know, put some diversity in it or, like, make it less sexist because also there's a <laughs> lot of gendering yeah, yeah. ads. Are, like, Absolutely. And it's because it's all based around like what's the demographic. They yeah. have to categorize everything. Like yeah. needs to be a woman and the hotspot is like 19 years old. It's like right. what do these people do? They have to just stereotype everything. And two things. One, I wish I could remember what it's called right now, but I know that there's, this is a thing that's been popping up is um, like alternative modeling agencies. So yeah. like, agencies that have like, alternative models, which mm-hmm. means just, like, not, like, your typical size and your typical, like, skin tone and that kind of stuff of right. model, but they present other other types of people, which I think is really interesting, and then you can Super book cool. these models for things like advertisements. Yeah. And then, the second thing I can't remember, because my brain is empty. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but no, that is, that is, like, I really like that a lot. Yeah, there's um, a bunch of different agencies doing it. I think it's really good. Oh, the second thing was even... Now, I've been seeing a thousand ads for Valentine's Day, right? Mm Because it's right around the corner. And um, the amount of websites or blogs or shops that you go on or apps that have, like, gifts for him and gifts for her. And I get that some things might be gender-specific. Like, you know, razors, especially for your face, may be, you know, a little more specific to men than women. Because, you know, on average more men shave their face than women for sure but you know just scrolling through like every once in a while just click through for him and for her and I either equally want stuff from both lists or I equally think both lists are ridiculous Mm -hmm. because of the way that they're produced and that it's like oh yeah all like the pink body shop like products are on the her list and then all of the musky (laughs) you know campfire plaid stuff is on his list and it's just like I think about that kind of stuff all the time, especially when it comes to advertising. Yeah. It's good that you get to, like, put your little, your, your true sense in it. And I say little because, like, you're just starting there. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. the longer that you get to work there, I'm sure they're going to take your advice more and more. And you'll be one of those people who does start to shape what we see in advertising, which is pretty I exciting. I, yeah, it is exciting. I ho- and I also recognize that, like, there are some people, a lot of the people that I work with over there that are also doing that in in not just that way, but in other ways, they're, like, they're trying to, like, for instance, um, Anomaly, I think London, because there's also one in London, 
they they put out a campaign around Christmas time that was some like I forget what it was called, but it was about like it was it was like showing how little kids are by not by nature but are learned um what's the word like uh predisposed or I guess that they're they're they have learned to underestimate women you know and it's not like you're not just born that way like their parents told them this or their brother or whatever Mm -hmm. and so the question that you that that they were being asked in this little video was if santa were a woman would she be able to do the same job like would she be a good santa and the video was showing that most of the kids or all of them in the video but um, who knows, like, how many they interviewed, but they were showing all the kids that were saying no. Right. Like, she wouldn't do a good job. Right. And, you know, then you would ask, they would ask why. Like, why wouldn't she do a good job? And it was like, well, because, like, she has to, like, take care of the, ki- of the kids or whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, it was, like, all yeah. these different answers that you know, you know, it's either what they've seen or what they've heard or what, like, their parents do or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, so, like, this company, like, the company I work for is trying to make a point and say, like, this is not cool. Like, this is not okay, and we want to change this. We want to bring awareness to this and start a conversation about this. Like, why can't Santa be a woman? She mm-hmm. can. There's no reason why she can't. And That's uh, awesome. Yeah, That's it is cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I do feel like, uh, I feel like I'm not, I'm lucky because I'm not, being employed by, like, a very classical, straight-edge kind of agency. There are a lot like that who just do, like, even more, like, gendered stuff. Like, even, like, mod... Like, mod men. Mad men type stuff, you right. know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because that's still a style. Yeah, it that's is, That kind of sure. advertising. Uh, but the agency I work for is, like, a little bit more cutting-edge and a little bit more progressive. Yeah, or and a I'm lot sure... More progressive. I'm sure they'll continue on that trend oh, yeah. into the future because that's where world is heading yeah Cross your fingers i think so okay well i mean i feel like, <laughs> like we could really keep going with this i forever. know sorry but I, no no definitely it. don't apologize i like i actually have a thousand more things i want to talk about but maybe that'll just um be an excuse to talk to you again okay so i'll take that yeah. But, um, yeah, so one thing that I decided to do with the show is to be super selfish and <laughs> to, like, pull recommendations out of people for my own enjoyment. And so some yeah, things right. that I'm always personally looking for are uh, new things. So I would love for you to recommend for me and all of the world that's listening to this um, a book that you recommend, a band or an artist or a group or whatever. Mm. And any and one other recommendation of anything in the entire world. It could be like a brand of tea or a, your favorite sports team or something. <laughs> I recommend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. So for for a band, I would recommend the band Rye. Uh, I saw them recently at the Danforth Music Hall in Toronto. I had been listening to them for a while. Uh, before I, I saw them, and. When I first listened to them, I was imagining this, like, very soulful woman singing. Um, it's kind of like, like, um, R&B, electronica kind of music. And, uh, and then somebody told me, like, yeah, they're two dudes. <laughs> and I looked them up and I was like, oh my god, they are two dudes. Like, yeah. they are men. But I kid you not, if you listen to Rye, you will, like, you will see that woman in your, vo- in your head. Like, they have the most angelic voices 
and the music is awesome. And then when I saw them live, they just, like, killed it. They were so great. Favorite song? Oh, I think The Fall. The it's Fall? called The Fall. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, book. And then a book. Okay, so because it's kind of fitting with our topic today, I would highly recommend the book Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. I've heard about it, for oh sure. Oh my god, it is so good. It's super funny. I read it a couple of years ago, and, like, she's just a great writer, but she also... Uh, the, the, the stuff that she chooses to, to talk about, or to write about, rather, um, she makes her experiences feel so relatable, even though she's obviously, like, on a different level in many ways. She's super successful, but she makes her experiences feel so relatable, and she just makes fun of everything. Like, she makes fun of her experiences, she makes fun of, you know, like, how crappy things are sometimes, especially, like, bossy pants, I think, representing just the fact that, like, She's a very successful woman mm-hmm. and that she's been working towards this her whole life and that sometimes, you know, you get pigeonholed as a woman as, like, you're too bossy or yeah. whatever, but, like, who cares? Like, I don't care. I'm going to be bossy because I'm a boss-ass bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, rec- I recommend that. Awesome. And then one other thing in the world. Yeah. I think I wrote this in the email, but I highly recommend the Lush product, um... It's a dry shampoo slash, like, deodorant. Um, and now, oh, the one I have is called Vanilla Puff. And I put it in my socks. Like, if my if I, like, have a long day or something and I've been, like, walking Inside lot, of your socks. Inside Not my socks. Like, but you, no, like, no. throw some powder in. It's yeah, powder? it's powder. Okay. It's a powder and it absor- absorbs moisture and, like, gives a light scent. But it's all natural. So I just, like, put it in my inside my sock. And um, then it gets rid of, like, if there's any smell, it gets rid of that. You could put it in your boots sometimes. Um, and then you smell like puffy vanilla. Yeah, you smell like vanilla. And I put it in my hair if I, like, ha- if, like, I try not to wash my hair too much. Yeah. So I put it, like, on my roots and it just absorbs moisture. Nice. You use it also under your arms. It's, like, a, it's a deodorant powder. It's, like, my favorite thing I like ever. that, too. I like something that, like, does everything. Like, yeah. I'm not someone who has, like, oh, a cream for this and an exfoliant for that. I'm like, can I just have one thing that does all of the yeah, things? Yeah, that's the one thing that does all the things. Okay. Yeah. Vanilla Puff by Lush. Yes. They're good to go. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I thank you so much yeah, for talking you. to me. This was, like, a solid conversation. I feel like I actually learned something, which is the whole <laughs> point of this this whole thing. Yeah, okay, it was cool. fun. I love talking about this, so... Yeah, we'll do it again soon then. Okay, cool. Awesome. And then we're going to play some rye to finish this off, so let's nice. jam out to that. Okay, sweet. <laughs>